Welcome back to another episode of Nerds Around, guys. It's your host, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone, from across the hall. And today, we have with us the one, the only, Johnny C. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, this is fun. Good job, man. I, I, got, yeah. I, got, I got one question for you. What What's is up? it about people and French vanilla coffee? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Have you tried it? Have you tried the special <laughs> vanilla blend? <laughs> I haven't. I, I haven't. I haven't had the, the opportunity to. But you know, I needed to ask because uh, you know, read, reading "Surrounded by Death" and you got you got your main character jumping into the bowels of hell to get these fucking people some coffee. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's a really tasty coffee, right? I, Sebastian, I, I know. I can sign off on it. that. This is some really good fucking coffee. <laughs> Sebastian, would you slay some zombies for that that coffee blend? Oh, bro, I'm going to have to go out there with my weed whacker baseball bat with knives on it. Bro, that coffee blend. That coffee sounds serious, some coffee. Oh, man. Jeez. I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, the beers by the Wayward, Wayward Bros. But I, yeah. oh, yeah. John, but I have not had Johnny C's coffee. It makes me very, very, very sad. <laughs> yes, I've, I've heard. That's, that's how I heard about you, too, from Seabass. He told me about your, your booth where you have the coffee and then you're selling your comics and everything. So, like you know marketing genius <laughs> thanks man yeah so yeah. <laughs> it, it just kind of worked out it's just like i mean the, at times it, the, the coffee overtakes the book a little bit but um you know like really the book surrounded by death i mean it's a story about uh, a group of survivors living out the zombie apocalypse in a mall where they're trying to live like nothing's really wrong it's almost like well, the times that we're living in currently you know what I mean? like we're all surrounded by death but we're all trying to like live normally still and it's just it's hard right bro it's it's like this you 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 captured everything perfectly because it's like some of this felt like a zombie apocalypse was like what's going next in 2020 so i mean uh first of all for me surrounded by death was the art style but again you're writing um, a lot of people don't know this your your writing is just key on point with characterization and everything so i mean what made you want to pick them all because the first thing when you mentioned about it being a mall i thought of um george romero's um the, the it was the second one of the dawn of the dead dawn of the dead but it, mm-hmm. it's like what what made you pick them all and what inspired the coffee so um the Story is actually a collaboration amongst three individuals. So the original idea of sending it in a mall wasn't, you know, it didn't originate necessarily with me. Um, it's one of my co-collaborators. His name is Mark Elliott. Uh, we met in San Diego. Um, it was a creator connection type environment like we do in New York, in New York Comic Con. And uh, essentially, uh, he had this, this story, and he was kind of just there to – hang out and meet people, but not really to get anything made. And his only example was this thing that he wanted to novelize, which was called Surrounded by Death. And I started flipping through it, and I'm like, this can't be a book. This has to be a comic. Like, there's just so many things here that, you know, I can just see jump off the page. And, uh, like, he's a, kind of a novice writer, too, and some of the characters felt like – just a little like one-sided in ways. So I kind of injected a little bit more uh, personality there. Uh, there. And uh, then we met our artist, uh, Joe Martinez. Actually, I met him at New York Comic Con. We were waiting in line for the Walking Dead panel. And it was like a fiasco. There was just, we're never going to get in. But we kind of just like befriended each other and we swapped, you know, contacts. And I told him I was making comics, you know, I was making comics at the time. I had uh, Sartana, my Spaghetti Western. And, uh, 
he was like, oh, it's pretty cool. I've wanted to get into that. And sure enough, um, we, you know, eventually, you know, everything came together. We ended up uh, doing Surrounded by Death. And so, as a matter of fact, issue one is his very first thing art-wise, like, in forever, since he wow. was, like, younger. Oh, wow. So, like, that's, yeah, and you could see, like, I don't know if you guys read issue two, but you can kind of see his art get a little bit better and better as you go. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I'm sure because it's his first one and it's your first time collaborating, the style, everyone's style and voices are going to get more solidified as it goes on. Sure. Yeah, it's I mean it's like a writer's room for a TV series, right? Like the vo- the right the characters pretty much write themselves once you've established them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like right now I'm on issue writing issue three, and I really don't like when I start to write Pete. I like Pete speaks for himself. Like it's just it's I'm just like almost a vessel. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's so his characterization in my head is just so well formulated, mm-hmm. and um, you know it just it it kind of just it works, you know, we just pick the scenarios. We, you know, gather together as a team, we talk about it online. And then, uh, uh, I have you so actually issue three was, uh, scripted, uh, by somebody else, but, uh, I formatted it for comic panels, but all the stories are all originated by us together. And particularly the coffee you mentioned, Sebastian, that was just kind of the, uh, story arc. Now it's really not about the coffee. It's about leadership, right? So you kind of have this balance of power between Matt, the, you know, the, I like to consider him as our Ryan Reynolds type. He's like our Van Wilder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you have uh, Todd, the security guard, who's just kind of like this law he and sucks. order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's modeled slightly after, um, you ever see Observe and Report? Oh, yeah. With okay. Seth Rogen. Yeah, he's yeah, a little yeah. bit Seth Rogen from Observe and Report. So, like, okay. you kind of okay. want to like him a little bit sometimes because he, like, mean, like, he wants to do well, but, like, he's uh-huh. also on the spectrum. And then, you know, there's, like, the Van Wilder. So, like, you got Matt, who's, like, our hero kind of guy, right? Mm. So then it becomes a balance of power, and people know they really love this. You know, they know that this coffee blends. Vanilla blend is kind of, like, the most popular thing in the ball. You know what I mean? It's like the Popeye's chicken sandwich. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> when, you, when you put it in that context, it's, like, whoever can provide is the balance of power. And then that's kind of what put Matt on the task. But then we also have a subplot where Matt's this kind of love lost, like love lorn kind of individual who's pining after this girl, Karen, in the mall. So really it's a lot about his selfish motivation to kind of impress her, but it's also for the people. So there's like a lot of threads going through it for Matt and, you know, and then he's got the support of his friend Pete and, you know, Pete's like the, you know, he's the security guy for the, or no, I'm sorry, the maintenance guy for the mall. And uh, he is a little bit on the spectrum, and his best friend is Matt. And he really he doesn't know how to talk to girls. He's just not good with talking to people. Um, you know, he calls people out. Um, but he's, like, always there for Matt. He's, like, Matt's diehard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that definitely comes through, too. Like, I'm reading, when I was reading the, when I was reading the first issue, you just see, like, these guys are, like, that's, like, the ride or die. Like, yeah. he's there <laughs> for them. He's, like, he's obviously going to go into this pit with them. He's got his piece. He's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. like, that def- that definitely that definitely does come through, and I feel like the you know the ripping that this the inner circle that I've noticed in that main group, especially from the opening beginning where they do the the rating for how we got here. So like that seems like a really close knit group of folks that are kind of just ripping and jabbing at each other. But we're also curious about them, which I noticed in your comic when they in in the second issue where you talk about 
where the where the other two guys got the ladder from, there's an asterisk that says, you'll find out about this later. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because yeah. that's one of those things where we talked about, like, do we want to set this up? Like, I hadn't seen that in a comic in a long time. That mm-hmm. little asterisk going, hey, yeah. like, this was in this issue or whatever, you know? So I was like, let's set one of those up. Let's do a thing like that, you know? I mean, and a lot of it's to really just to make it so that each individual book comic issue feels independent, but also part of a bigger story, you know? So like you could read issue one or maybe even issue two semi out of place, Mm -hmm. you know, but they'll kind of like coalesce in certain ways, you know, Mm -hmm. actually one and two are directly sequels to each other, but uh, you know, hopefully in the, Long term, we'll be able to do a little bit more individualized, like like side story things. almost things, right? But that also very much feel like a piece of the timeline. You know, mm. we're already so at one of the uh, San Diego Comic Cons, one of the very few rare instances, the whole surrounded by death team are together in one room because <laughs> we're all from different parts of the country. Joe's in New York, I'm in Boston. Mark Elliott's in San Diego, and Mark Alvarado, our cover artist, is in Texas. So oh, we're really wow. just sparse all over, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. When, once we're all together, we were talking about doing a, um, and it's all kind of like just up in the air, but like just doing like an annual, like bring back the annuals, and then having these one-shot story, and you know, their okay. annuals that kind of like tie up some loose threads or maybe touch upon things we haven't done or, sure. you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, like an issue two where he said, you'll find out about that, you know, maybe kind of make good in those promises. Oh, that would be dope. I haven't seen those in so long. And like, you kind of, you like, you're giving me all the nostalgia field trips of just like, yeah, I want that. And I'm just like, <laughs> I, that's how you can get, that's how you get people it's like oh just t- tug on that little bit of nostalgia you're good yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know and and you know while you're doing that you can just pour yourself a cup of coffee right <laughs> but no, I, is, it, I, is it hard being away like do you miss like being in a room together with all those guys like does it make the writing and like the creative process easier when you guys are together absolutely absolutely like when, when we're all together we bounce stuff off of each other and it just becomes like kismet. It just, it it flows. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, and I think this is to be said for any creator is that if you're kind of just bouncing the ball against the wall to yourself the whole time, so to speak, you get like this tunnel vision and then, you know, you don't know about the quality of your work unless you have an outside source. Right. Right. And then, you know, the editing, the editing process can happen way earlier. In the, in the conceiving process of it even, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because where you would normally plot out the story yourself, do everything on your own, hand it off to an editor, they read it and they're like, this doesn't flow right, this doesn't work right, this is, you know? When you're working as a team, you're conceiving the ideas, you can do a lot of that preemptively, Absolutely. you know? And then the editing process literally just becomes grammatical corrections. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know so, that feel. So, um, I wanted to point out too was this is that and this is how deep the curator connection runs is that you also have the Starlight Tavern that does a little bit of a crossover. How did that start? Because I remember seeing it in and um Sartana. Now you see it in Surrounded by Death, which I like. It was a like nice little funny comic strip. How did that come to be? That crossover. Really, it's just because me and Bob Sally are friends. <laughs> <laughs> And I started reading uh, Bob's, like, 
you know, comic strip. And I'm like, I love this idea. And I love the concept of it. And, um, you know, we played a game in Surrounded by Death issue one of how did this happen? So, like, I kind of wanted to give the answer of how it happened externally through, like, a little crossover thing. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of cool. Like, you read the story, you start in the tavern, and you end at the mall. You know what I mean? And it's just... Mm -hmm. There's very minimal dialogue in it, too. It's just a matter of events that happens like this to this to this to this. And this is how we became surrounded by death, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's very <laughs> because I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, OK, it's the time. Oh, oh, OK. <laughs> and, <laughs> I just I just love that chemistry that you guys have when you guys get together, man. It's just and you, you did that for Zatanna, too. I was like, oh, God, this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks, man. I um, you know, I hadn't done one in a while for Bob, and I don't know where you know what his status is with Starlight, unfortunately. But uh, it's just like you know, I, I was thinking like, you know, he had this cool thing going. I was like, why not throw like a little indie rep? Because he had all these other comics in there, like or you know, movies and other sci-fi references. It was like, let's throw a little indie flair in there, you know, or let's throw a little like spaghetti western flair in there, something a little bit different. And he was all for it. He loved the idea. That's and Bob's awesome. just a great guy like yeah. that. He's, you know, occasionally down to collaborate. Nice. So um, I know like one of your books is Sartana. And um, mm -hmm. I know it doesn't have to do with the theme for the horror month, but Sartana is your spaghetti Western. It's your love story. I love this book because um, in somewhat of the way, the way how the character is drawn and the way that you expect the character really wasn't like the way how he kind of acted because he was pretty cool. Like, so what was the creative process in Sartana and how did you – work to make him not fall feel like all these um other cookie cutter characters that are out there who are in spaghetti westerns yeah so we're, so china is actually a pre-existing character from an old series of movies so it was very easy to you know design the character and all that good stuff because it was just like there's a lot of stuff i could play with and work from the same way quentin played with django and made his own thing i did kind of the same thing with sartana but i paid a little bit more homage to the old school, you know, stuff that came before it. So uh, I tied in some things and I put some things that were my own. Uh, I wanted to do something that was love story based. So there's this great grand relationship between um, Ginny and Sartana. Um, and then there's also the time gap, you know, in the stories. There's, uh, it, you find Sartana, he's, he's, a young, he's a young guy, he's a young man who's hired to, you know, bring a, 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 a this awful individual to a penitentiary and then little does he know he's being played and things unfold from there and that's kind of like what lights the fire for his vengeance and then he gets set forth in this path and in the process of being set forth in this path he meets this woman that becomes very important to him and then they become split apart but we don't know yet and that's kind of part of the building of the story there and again that's all my own setting of my own sandbox and playing with these characters and then putting them together as my own love it <laughs> for, for your writing because i i noticed almost off the off the jump uh it's a lot of like rich heavy dialogue between characters it's not like a one-off sentence here but, like in passing you have like rich like i'm gonna like say what i want on the page characters are gonna speak and they're gonna speak their minds and whatnot it almost immediately like screamed like Sandman to me, like like that kind of like rich dialogue that you get from characters that you're like, yes. Oh, as a writer, you. how do you feel like when you're like, like 
do I want to like double down on this and keep it going? Or like, do you ever have that moment where like, I, I need to like cut back and like, just let some of the art speak or like have those witty one-liners here and there and let, let those kind of speak. Yeah. So I, First off, thank you. I appreciate it. Any comparison to Neil Gaiman's like a complete honor. I <laughs> just stroked his ego. There you go. <laughs> I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. As soon as I saw it, it immediately like stylized and like just how like character. I was like, Gaiman. This is Gaiman all, all day, every day. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. But um, as far as uh, the, 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 the long dialogue, I think a lot of that comes with how I learned to write. Because the way I learned to write is originally by writing screenplays okay. and scripts and things of that nature. And um, it was only later that I learned to make comics because making movies was really, really hard. <laughs> like, really hard. Uh, it's tough to get a lot of people together on scheduled dates to shoot stuff. It's just, Tell you know, me about I'm, it. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I mean, I'm sure even gathering for a podcast and like this is really hard sometimes, right? I mean just one of those things so but like working in comics it's a lot looser and liberal because you know you just i take all the time i need to write a script i'm on nobody's schedule but my own because i'm self-publisher you know i shoot it over to my you know one of my artists um they take over from there you know everything's done very transactionally and you know not rushed and not forced and uh i mean the downside is that i don't have a lot of material out and it takes forever between issues but on the flip side, I also feel like I'm really putting focus and thought and attention into detail into the whole thing and trying to um, improve the quality without limiting myself collaborative, collaboratively. Because I, I really like to work with even like fledgling or brand new artists. The same way I did with Joe when I trusted Joe with Surrounded by Death being his first project and you know he just grew and got better from there it's like i don't want to limit myself in that nature you know what i mean so are you giving him like a loose script outline of like what the settings are and you're writing four panels or is it the reverse where you're like seeing what he's coming up with with certain panels and you're like all right i can write this in in for that like scene so just to kind of circle back around, it's like when you write a screenplay, a lot of it you have to think about two actors in a room speaking to each other, right? So it's like a lot of it becomes very heavy dialogue back and forth. Mm -hmm. So like I find myself doing that a lot in comics, right? Because when I write a comic, I'm almost writing it as like, how do I take this movie in my head and put it into a panel format and make it look cool, right? Same idea. So it, I, and so far all my scripts have been scripts first, and then, you know, hand them over to the artist and then they kind of apply it. And then they'll sometimes bounce back to me and be like, hey, this should be a double page spread or, mm -hmm. hey, this should be this or, hey, I'd like to do this. And what I always like to do is keep a, like an open enough, like an open creative heart enough to allow them to do whatever they want and put their spin on it. So it's not a chore. It's just like it's fun for them too, and, you know, allowing them to flex their creative muscles. As a writer filmmaker, you're making me so happy right now. Like this, this is my, this is my, yes. Speak to me, speak to me. Man, you know the struggle then, you get oh, it, for man. for sure, absolutely, 100%. Part of the reason why I made Sartana is because it's a spaghetti western and I live in Massachusetts and I can't film a western around here. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what you want to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, you know. And I, mean, I always tell people, it's like, you know, if you like the book, awesome i wrote i wrote all of this stuff for me mm -hmm. because it's like 
I, I love I love these things. You know what I mean? I wrote it for myself. If you don't like it, that's fine. I didn't write it for you. You know what I mean? Are you are you of the philosophy like one for you, one for them when you do like creative projects? Sort of. I think I've started adopting that more lately because I've started doing these short anthology work that's been published elsewhere. And I think trying to break the mentality of self-publishing and maybe thinking about going more towards publishing entities just in the sense of just furthering this as a career option kind of thing. Mm. Um, yes. So to you, yeah, to see, to, to answer your question shortly, yes. But I think it's more of like, not like the content of the story because I, I have to love what I'm writing. I can't be given a job that like, you write this and then, you know, whatever, like I have to, love it i have to want to do it for myself you know what i mean like if marvel ever came knocking at my door i maybe only have like two marvel stories in my back pocket that i'd ever want to tell and if they don't want to do those then i'm i think i'm good you know what i mean what are those stories i know you've been asked <laughs> oh, wait, wait 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 about, are those are they pre-existing characters or they're new characters no no pre-existing characters pre-existing characters I can tease one for you if you'd like. Go for it. Tease him. Tease I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. You, you, you that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. All right, for all, right, all, right, all right, all right. I'm just gonna give you character names. Okay. And then I'm gonna tell you what it's modeled after. Okay. 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 So Punisher, Daredevil, Man Thing, um, Heroes for Hire, Kingpin. That's all you need to say. That's it. I'm I'm gonna say that's all you need to say. <laughs> and 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 basically the story is half legal drama, half the raid. You ever see the movie The Raid? It's a martial arts oh, film. Yeah. Or Dread. Like you ever see Dread? Same idea. And then all of these characters basically happen to come together in one location at one time. Yo, Marvin, because you listening right now? Just how to have boy? Because these are stories I need to see, so Marvel. So, so do, do me a flavor. So we got, like, how at your boy? So we got you yeah. at for Surrounded by Duff, Sartana. Sure. But now we're going to dive into the pond, which to me it's like, um, I love your stories, but the pond, because um, you already know what the creativity right there, getting into that yeah. horror realm. I mean, I saw aspects of the thing, and it, it just, this book, um, I love. I, I I'm just sad that it's two issues. <laughs> As Were you like, hoping you, for a little bit more? I was hoping that's, for. That's, I was like, that's yo, always the best and worst like compliment to get. Is but yeah, like, it's, it's there's just, no more. But you, no, but, wait, but I love wait, it so much. I want more. But he, you, you packed so much from that first issue all the way to the last issue. That ending, I was like, oh, that messed up. <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, man. Just, again, I mean, what was the creative process for the pond? What did you have to dive deep in? And also, too, kudos on choosing to keep this book black and white because oh, I think you. that lended a lot to the atmosphere that you created. Mm -hmm. And 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 by the way, it, 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 um, I, I'll get into the the, the deaths later because the deaths are like, oh, 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 okay. <laughs> But yes, let's get into that are creative we, are process. Are we doing a content spoiler warning tone? Do we have to do it? Do we have to hit it with I a mean, tone? Do we have to? I mean, let's go ahead, oh, tone. Go all right. right, ahead. All right. So, uh, so we're, we're diving into Nerds of the Round spoiler territory. So, aka Tony Stark dies. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's been established. 
right. <laughs> I love it. Um, so the pawn, the pawn originated um, as an eight-page short story. Cool. So um, the very, very original concept uh, started, I was at a convention, sitting behind a table. It was kind of winding down, so it's when, uh, you know, creators start mingling. And uh, I don't know if you know um, Charles D. Moussant or Philo Barnhart at all. No, probably like this. Philo, Philo worked on Disney movies, uh, Little Mermaid, things like that. Um, uh, Charles, they always partner together uh, at shows, but uh, Charles d- has a Silver uh, Phoenix Entertainment. And he does this anthology series about uh, Bachelor's Grove. It's kind of like a little bit of a horror thing. Charles is a very eccentric cat. He, at shows, he has roller skates. So he, you'll see him like zip by, like down aisleways <laughs> and things like that. And he came roller skating up to me at his show, didn't even know me, didn't know nothing. He goes, you make comics? I go, yeah. He goes, would you like to do a short uh, in one of my anthology books? I'm like, sure. What's the deal? He goes, eight pages. And he gave me criteria. He goes, um, uh, make a, a diverse characters and um, it has to be set in either, and he gave me three locations. It was like, one was like a barn, the other one was a cemetery, the other one was a pond. And I'm like, ooh, a pond. And like that kind of like, and I go, yeah, I'll let you know. And he gave me his card and then like, you know, I kind of tinkered with the idea for a little bit. I was just thinking about horror stories and I was revisiting and thinking about all the stuff that I loved growing up horror story wise. And a lot of it led back to tales from the crypt and uh, the anthology series and all the good old school. This has, yes. Yeah. Really more so tales from the crypt more than anything or tales from the dark side. Like that's kind of like one of the main inspirations for the pond. Um, But I want to do something that grim, like, like, Tales from the uh, Tales uh, from the Crypt, like you would have this really cool story or like this really horrific story, and not always would it end very happy. Like sometimes it would end like very horrifically. That's kind of like what I wanted to do here. So I wanted to tell the story, and I also like other things. Like I like the thing, it was actually kind of one of the inspirations as well. I love creature horror. I love body horror, that kind of thing too. You know what I mean? So when people transform and. Um, the other part of the creature, the other part of the idea of the creature was is that I've always wanted to do a remake of The Blob. You know the movie The Blob? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, remember The but Blob. In, instead of making it like a jelly creature, what I wanted it to be was like, it started with one person being infected and then touching another person and then fusing together. And then eventually the blob becoming a fusion of um, oh, like multitudes of people. Every oh, bad anime experiment gone wrong. Yes. Oh, yeah. No. And then it was like, and then they become like, you know, like Critters 2 when they all become a giant ball. Yeah. And they roll through the city. Ball of I wanted to be, yeah, like a ball of teeth. I wanted to be a ball of like blah, like blubber and like <laughs> madness and gore. And like, I wanted that to be the blob. Right. And uh, <laughs> then red um, jelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just red jelly, not just jello. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> and, yeah, and so um, I was like, well, let me put a little flavor of that idea into this. And that's mm-hmm. kind of uh, a little bit of what it became where, you know, it starts absorbing people. And, you know, when it comes back, it kind of brings a little piece of whatever to that individual. That, you know? That's what freaked me out in that part, too, when I, when I got to a part that they did that, that you did that, you did that in, in the book. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is some freaky shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to 
kind of touch upon that. Like that's yeah. that's some of the stuff that kind of like freaks me out personally, right? <laughs> So like you know to, to see your loved ones transformed or to even yourself lose your humanity like in uh, the fly or you know things like that it's kind of a little bit of what I wanted to touch upon. We're going to be doing an episode about horror movies and one of them on this Leviathan. Yes, oh, we're, 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 we're doing we're doing B list horror movies. Yes, Wait, well, yes. Let's, let's 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 set the table. Yes, I, I have the pleasure of finding out how I can watch Raw Head Rex. Oh, Rawhead Rex, it's a classic. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> if you want in, Johnny, we've got people. It's so, right back like, oh, if, if I'm in, I got one in the back of my head already. Seabass threw, threw together like this most obscure yeah. list ever at us. And, I don't like, even think it was that obscure. I was being generous. I, it's, <laughs> just, it's, yeah. it's just Seabass. It's like, if you need yeah. to find out just some B-list type of shit, He's got a whole fucking Rolodex. Oh, yeah. Man. So we're, you know, we're, uh, we're going to get title. back onto the pond, <laughs> but I'm going to give you the list that I had sent them to pick from, which was Rawhead Rex, Leviathan, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Deep Rising, Put Child's Play, Galaxy of Terror, Pumpkinhead, and Extra 2 Second Encounter. Oh, so I did you not play Tales from the Hood? I thought you played Hood. No, I didn't put Tales from the Hood. You did I? Did the I, I put you. She put okay. in Leprechaun from the Hood. <laughs> Leprechaun from the Hood. So wait, do they have to be bad or just obscure? It's something that people really haven't seen. Like they could be bad ones, or they could be good bad or ones that people just haven't heard. And those, I, I really those were all those good. sweet huh? spot, those sweet Which spot one? like B list movies that like. Which one yeah. you got, Johnny? Enough people heard about them to like be a cult classic, but not a lot of people heard about them, and they're obscure enough to like a, the right audience. Wait, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, wait, gonna, wait. I'm gonna lay these two on you. Let me know if you ever seen these movies. One was called The Tripper. You ever seen I that? I've seen The Tripper. Are you familiar with it? I've heard of it, but haven't seen it. Okay, yeah. Tripper is basically, uh, it's kind of like a horror comedy. Uh, think a little bit like Scream. Basically, it's about this hippie festival out in the woods, and uh, there's an individual who was released during the uh, Reagan cutback era from the mental hospitals okay. that loses his mind, dresses like Reagan, and then goes and kills hippies at this hippie festival, like in the woods. <laughs> and, like, it's so... It's and so does, and does, he have, does he have like a latex Reagan mask on and everything? Uh, I, I so I don't think it's a mask. I think it's his actual face, but he's dressed like Reagan okay. and like it's funny and he does these Reagan quotes. It's directed by um David Arquette. Uh, Jason uses in it. Say, Paul Rubens is no in more. it. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's fucking awesome. It's okay. fucking awesome. Uh, the other one was uh, so is straight horror. It's called Splice. I've heard of Splice. Oh wait, no, is, it, no. is it Splice or not Splice? I'm sorry, not these Splice. Um, Spike maybe? I forget what it's called. Basically, it's about these uh, this infection that spreads and the sky basically breaks out of prison. I think it's been a while since I've seen it, and it all convenes in like a convenience store, like a gas station. Oh, Splinter. 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 Yes, that yeah. was freaky as. Yeah. Whoa. Splinter was awesome. Yeah, yeah that's another yeah, that's good one. one. Splice is a uh, splice. I think is splice a, is with the that one with the with the thing that has the tail at the end. Yeah, that's yeah. where Adrian Brody bangs the alien. Yep. <laughs> 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 Spoiler alert. 
We're right. We're right. We're good. We're good. But if you want to be on that episode, Johnny, let me know. We'll have you on. Oh, I think that's my wheelhouse. I'll have to put my movie preview hat on and, and be there for that <laughs> one. I know we're, we're veering off topic from the yeah, we got we got double back. Let's get yeah. back into the horror. I'm going to derail, I'm going to derailing things, man. My, my bad. It's all good. This is <laughs> what we're here for. We're perfectly capable of derailing ourselves, sir. No need for your help. We got that covered. And now to thank our sponsors. The Nerds of the Round is brought to you by Enbion. Make sure to use the code GETNERDYWITHIT to get 10% off merchandise and services such as web hosting, printing, and more at enbion.com. But I wanted to get the dialogue that you have between the father and the daughter. And it's like, it's funny how you went from that dialogue in the first issue, how he was telling her no monsters. And then that second issue, monsters are real. Like, how was it coming up with that dialogue for those two characters? That that was uh, just one of those moments for me. Yeah, yeah, so that one was like, 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 what was the most heartfelt shit I could write, basically, on the first <laughs> issue, right? <laughs> and like, how do I like establish this relationship between the daughter and the cop and this? I mean, he's a single father, right? That's established. Um, clearly, it's a relationship where it's the father, the daughter, the grandmother, all kind of living together, coalescing, and you know, he's doing the best he can, but he's also kind of like managing everything else you know what i mean and uh being there for his um his, his his police force his deputy as well so um that dialogue was kind of like you know what's the most comforting thing that you know you can think of when it comes to losing somebody right and i even think about this myself is that you know when you lose somebody close to you um you know it's tough to think back on it because it's like it hurts right you think about like the end or you know depending upon what the scenario is um you know the final moments are usually a lot worse than the earlier moments right you think back to the earliest moment you have somebody you've lost it's usually you know something that's you know a good one right uh the first time you met them the first nice you know things that they whatever the case may be and i was like let me convey that between these two because they both mutually shared the loss of this woman that meant so much to them you know what i mean and then when it came to issue two it was like how do i deconstruct that and i was like i know what's going to happen at the end of the issue but how do i make it even worse and <laughs> it was like issue two was really about making things as worse as possible no you, <laughs> you, you you took them to hell in that issue bro <laughs> yeah. I, I love a, i love a writer like you because i know exactly the headspace you're in for it because you're just like you're like i want to tug on the heartstrings and you, you write as a writer like with especially with horror and things that are meant to like hit you because the best horror writers speak to things that scare them th themselves Right. And there's very few things that scare horror writers. So to scare a horror writer with their own writing is hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so and that's you. That's you for sure. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I think the, what I'm working on right now is probably one of the scariest things I've ever written. And, and uh, I don't know, like, I'm even nervous to, like, doing the research on it because I have to, like, watch stuff that's, like, mm. fucking with me. You know what I mean? Because I have to, like, do, like, a little bit of, like, the deep dive on stuff that like i don't you know like i don't normally visit because it's just like it freaks you know fucks with me you know it's like it's like purposely if it's like having arachnophobia and purposely googling spiders <laughs> you know what i mean yep i trust yeah. me trust that's bass right there i've, I've been there i've been there <laughs> i i i'm totally get i totally get like it's it's hard for me to find anything nowadays horror wise to like get really into like i always go back to like the old school horror or like the old school monster 
movies or you know live with real prosthetics and everything like always like that type of stuff when it comes to horror literature like i haven't been able to find anything that i can really you know chew on but there have been a couple stories where uh there was a, there's a short story by stephen king called the john i don't know if you guys ever read that one vaguely familiar i've so heard the it's name like a, but i don't it's think like, i've read it it's like a sci-fi horror okay right um and you learn about people have discovered instant like instant travel between long distances between the, let's say the earth and the moon. And these kids are going with their family, going to take the jaunt. That's what they call it. And the kids are asking the dad, Hey, can you tell us about the jaunt? And you learn as the father recalls the story, how the jaunt was discovered. And it was discovered through some science experiments that people who go through this portal, they come out the other side while they've been awake, they end up just dying. Just they die or they go crazy. And you find out that they need to be asleep they need to be asleep to get through the john. So when you get into the to the bus thing, they give the they they um, give you anesthesia. You take the jump and you wake up. The story ends with this kid who's really the, the that's one of the sons. He's really excited, and his father tells him all this stuff. That uh, when the mask comes on, he holds his breath. He holds his breath. So he's not asleep when they make the jump. And when the father wakes up, you hear the mother yelling and screaming as they're grabbing his son as he's going mad. And his mad looks back at his dad and he says, it's longer than you think, dad. It's longer than you think. And you find out, like thinking about it, that the time and space, it takes like a second to get from the place, uh, you're destined from the earth to the moon. But what's happening is that your consciousness, why people think they're going mad is that they're in like this space for millions and millions and billions of years but they're in and out physically in like a couple seconds and it makes them go mad and they, they die. And it's really, wow. it's really, that's some like Lovecraft level it's, of madness. I it's, love that. It's awesome. really dope. I would read it. Like, you know, you get the story more, but like, that's the, mm-hmm. like, cause it, so I found it after, um, after watching love, death and robots. I was like oh, on the okay. Reddit. That was awesome too, yeah. by the way. That was fantastic. I was on the Reddit looking it up and someone mentioned the jaunt and said that line, it's longer than you think. And so I was like, it was like in the middle of the night, my wife was sleeping. I'm like, well, I need to read this short story now. And then I found a PDF of it. And like, I was like, oh shit. Like, I can see why people really, really like Stephen King. I just never read any of his work. And it's like, you know, it's a dedication because his shit is long. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you guys get a chance, it's a short story. Check it out. It's really cool. It's like a mix of horror and sci-fi and, um, it's on my list for sure. Yeah. yeah like the, um, like I, I like, um, cosmic horror too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, love some Lovecraft stuff, things of that nature or just like, you know, depths of badness. And I, I love that. It's like the, the mind lives far, far beyond which the body is capable for it to do or two so yeah. and essentially it's driving you mad right yeah i love that when you're writing are you more comfortable in the like one shot like kind of like one one and done stories or do you find your pacing better when you're like trying to map out this entire like world and universe so uh i really struggled originally so at first it was long form right everything i wrote up until i think the pond eight page was my first short form thing i ever done and i struggled then i was like how can people write so short like i can't condense this like I, only eight pages like what are you talking like i can't do this right so um i i learned to, to kind of make it short form and then um you know it's just kind of like 
a little bit of the in-between now. It's like you're trying to find that right balance. Like even with writing uh, issue three of uh, Surrounded by Death, it's just like, you know, you kind of see like your, your, your end page count coming. You're like, but wait a minute, I have X amount of story, you know, and that's where you have to go in and you have to like basically kind of be like a surgeon and like splice out stuff and, you know, like, Trim the okay, that can... Yeah, exactly. You know, and you like, you like you saw, I like to write these long, lengthy things sometimes. So <laughs> it's like you got to go in there and trim things or like combine things. You know, you can get really creative in the process mm. if you kind of like take a step back sometimes and look at it in an overview. Um, part of my creative Absolutely. process actually is when I'm writing things or when I'm establishing things, I don't do it like kind of like in a word written word format i kind of do like a little bit of a visual aspect so what i'll do is i'll actually open up paint not word pad and i'll start drawing like i'll write a paragraph like right and i'll like circle it and then i'll write like a connective tissue piece and then i'll write okay like this part and this part are meant to go together and then like i'll connect that and then i'll start making like a I'll make a tapestry of my story essentially. And once I know that I have every piece I want to tell connected to every other piece that's out there, I know I have a cohesive story. Okay. That makes so much sense though. Yeah. And that's, so I make a spider web basically of (laughs) story ideas. And then that's when I start, I take that as my like worksheet. And then I take that and I bring that to the, word pad and that's where I start breaking it down into you know pages and panels and then I take that and that's where I start going into like the actual panel format with like okay be mindful of two I'm four and six with your page turns yeah it doesn't work for everybody but that's how I do it my brain works just like that scattered enough that I need to like see stuff in front of me it's kind of like um who said it? I found like, like a, a TV show. They were like, yeah, like uh, some artists used to throw like stuff in front of them and just it'd be scattered. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it would make sense. They have it all like laid out. as And it doesn't look like anything because it's not connected until you connect them yourself. It's like, I need this. and I need this. These are all the pieces that are here. But then you just go, oh, this goes here because that makes more sense. And Oh man, you, you might have done the thing. That's a real creative way of thinking about stuff. I'm so used to just hearing the whole idea of like, you get your, you get your beginning, beginning, you get your ending, and, right, and right. then like, all right, well, how am I going to get there? And it's like, well, it can't be a straight line because, you know, you got to go through the, 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 va- the peaks and the valleys and you're pretty right. much just kind of like watering the plants and seeing where they go. If or you, or you put yourself into the minds of the character and you're like, all right, well, how's the situation going to play out for me to eventually get to my end goal uh, versus your, your way of just kind of like throwing everything together and purposely like, all right, well, I want these aspects in here, but how the fuck are they? I'm going to make sure they all talk to each other. So it's not like I'm just force feeding you stuff, you know, so right. it's, it's really, really, really interesting way of, of, of creating a story. So you, I want to make all the components relevant, right? I want all the components to be relevant to each other. Um, so like, and not, you know, not every story is conceived with beginning and end, right? And then you have to fill in the middle. Like sometimes you'll think of the middle and you're like, yeah. fuck, how do I get from A, you know, A and, A and Z? Like how do I put, you know, how do I wedge this in here? So that's kind of like a good way for me to do that is to essentially lay it all out before me and then piece it together and make sure that every, you know, relative component is attached and coherent 
Guys, take Blows notes. Take no, notes. Listen, take listen, notes. listen, 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 listen. Like, like how how Law had said, like you, you know, the, gave you that uh, the game and the Gaiman comparison. I'm thinking you got to take you got to take this, take your thought process. You got to go down to New Mexico. You got to go to the cabin where George R. R. Martin is. You got to tell him how the fuck to get Daenerys out of Marine and just give him a whole web of shit so my man can finish book six, book seven, book two of uh, like he just, needs, he just needs to finish everything. He needs to go gotta, on his DOS computer. I gotta call. I gotta call. I gotta call, call Marvel. And I gotta bully George R. Martin. Be like, listen, listen, you got, George. You got, you got a lot of phone calls. It's, it's like, it's like listen, George. Us. I know you've been writing since the '90s and before, and you've never <laughs> met me, but I've got the move to get you ahead. I have, a, I have a really funny George R. R. Martin story if you guys would like to hear. Oh, please. It. Absolutely. So, in, I go to San Diego Comic Con every year. That's my thing, right? Um, the last few years I've exhibited. One of the last years I went as just a fan was in 2013. And I actually ended up um, getting into one of like the really big VIP parties that they have over there. Mm. And the party I attended had the cast of Game of Thrones, the cast of Teen Wolf the cast of Dexter and a few comic individuals. So like, I would Rob have was there. love to be in that room. You don't understand. <laughs> so it was open bar, me and my, me and my boy Rick. And you know, we tell the story and we recount it as the year that nobody would ever believe us. But we okay. were in the V we were in the VIP section and we we're hanging out and we we're just, again, we we're just mingling. Like we we're just hanging out. We were chit chatting with some chicks and I was like, I'm going to go to the bar, get some more drinks. I'll be back, right? And again, we were kind of like in this VIP area. So now I'm a big dude. When you put me in a suit, I look pretty official, right? You see, <laughs> like those... there's something fucking about it. I told you this, Law. There's something about <laughs> so, it. So... <laughs> we'll so... get to Tom's story. We'll get to Tom's story. Come on, John. After we cut, <laughs> we're going to tell you the story of Tom's blazer. <laughs> <laughs> so big dude in a, in a nice suit. Like, I looked kind of, you know, like official, right? So I go to the bar. I go grab some stuff. And I'm walking back to the VIP section with drinks in my hand. I see my buddy Rick and the two girls we were talking to. And they all have shocked looks on their faces. I'm like, what? What's going on? I look behind me, and there's George R. R. Martin. He's following me. And he goes, is this the section we're in? And I go, it is now. <laughs> and uh, he goes, oh, you're not my guy? And I'm like, oh, no, man. Sorry, you got me confused. He thought I was his bouncer, his security guy for the night. And he followed me into the <laughs> VIP section where I was. And I was like, sorry, man, you can hang out with us if you want. And he kind of just like grumbled and walked away. But like, it was just like, <laughs> I have this weird run in with George R. R. Martin in a nightclub. Yo, that That's is really amazing. Funny. That's really funny. <laughs> That's amazing. We gotta tell you Tone's Blazer story after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people know you as a writer, comic guy, but I also know you as someone who is just excellent in my opinion, with marketing, because the way you show up to cons at your booths, everything just screams marketing and helps to, you know, get your stuff out there, not only to the public, but make people feel comfortable when they see you. How did this all start? First of all, the whole marketing <laughs> so, that you have going on. Like, give me an example. Like, what do you mean? When I saw you at Connecticut, let's, let's use that one, for example. Like, Terrificon's booth, do you mean? The, the Terrificon booth, yes. Let's go with that okay. one. Let's start with that one. So the Trificon booth, what I wanted to do is I wanted to build the cafe from Surrounded by Death. So when you see Matt for the first time 
uh, in issue two, after all the events at the end of issue one, he's standing on a ca- cafe stand where they realize that they've run out of the espresso presto blend, the vanilla blend. So I bought kind of like a pop-up portable bar thing, and I'm like, I'm going to build the thing from the book. I want to bring a piece of my book to the, you know, to the convention floor to people. So what I did was it kind of took it a little bit step further. I bought like, you know, like the nice tiled carpeting layout. And, you know, I bought like a nice real espresso presto backdrop. And I was like, I'm going to make this the fictional cafe from the, you know, from the book. So I got myself like a green barista apron that says espresso presto. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, you know, I was brewing coffee at the show, giving it away for free if they would buy the book and that was kind of my loophole with the whole like you know selling food kind of thing is that it's in their art exhibit and the coffee's complimentary if they want if they buy something you know well done sir well done no it, it yeah. was it was an excellent setup. you have people there all weekend hanging by your booth and yeah you- so go on yeah i was just gonna say you know i put a little cafe table you know i made it very and it was an inlet booth. You walked into it, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a very welcoming experience. I wanted people to like walk in, hang around, read the books, maybe get a t-shirt and then, you know, a cup of coffee. And then, you know, they can leave saying like, Hey, I like did something cool at the convention today. You know what I mean? If you think at most convention booths, people just walk up to a table, they walk past it. And then like, you know, there's only so many times you can do that. How many chances do you get to actually walk into the booth and hang out with the person that's kind of like doing the thing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, most creators kind of have a table behind them and it's like a barrier. Well, I'm like, well, hey, come into my come into my barrier and show with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I said. I, I, oh, no, I, and I just think that's just like a like an upper level of being a booth exhibitor. You know, like you're creating this atmosphere for folks to enjoy themselves and to feel comfortable and feel welcomed and to learn more about you because you have to differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself from all the other exhibitors there. And then you have this whole thing of keeping them A inside. A memorable experience. Yeah. And like, as you keep folks in the, inside longer and longer and longer, so to be like, well, I got to buy more shit. You know, so like, it's just, it's just like, it's just like a, it's like a, it's a hook in a line. And you always got like this, 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 this gravitas, this personality that people just want to just hang out with, dude. Like, that's, that's awesome. That is awesome. And Thank you. I appreciate you know, that. It's, Absolutely. If any, if you take, if anyone listening, take anything from that, it's just to like eventually see yourself to know, like there are different tiers in exhibiting and like, dude, this is like top notch. Absolutely. Thank, you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I get I mean, into, you've had you've had people that just came in. They're like, "Oh, they're coffee. They're talking. They're talking to you for so long that they go, well, I've been here for like an hour. Fuck, I might, I might as well buy all the comics, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the coffee and the this because they get lost in the conversation with you and they genuinely love the experience that you're giving them." Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes the coffee overshadows the comics and that can be a little bit tough sometimes because I'm really, at the end of the day, I'm there to push books. Right. You know, and, and a lot of it's because it's like all my books are collaborative efforts. Like they're owned by other people as well. So I have to do my due diligence for not only myself, but for them to put money in their pockets for their artwork and their hard work. So like, it's like a little bit of that balance, you know, it's like inviting people in, building the fan base, but also supporting the talent that I work with, you know, Joe Martinez, um, you know, Mark Alvarado, uh, you know, Joseph Arnold, all wonderful, Renatus who did the pond, all wonderful individuals. 
and I, and I think too, like, because again, I was, I, again, I was paying so much attention to your setup at Terrificon because again, it was a great setup. I mean, I know Thank it was you. a barista that you put together, but again, the display, when I go about the marketing, you also had everything in a way displayed where people were seeing it all. It wasn't just about the coffee, the way how you had the comic set up where it was visually there for people to see like, okay, they look at it like, oh, this is cool. Let me see. It was like you had this magazine style rack going on that I thought was better than some of the comic vendors that were there for the comic shops. So again, everything that you did there not only was welcoming, but was visually appealing and was doing itself of was um, doing the job of marketing and selling the books. That's what I saw there. And again, it's, it's, and, and to believe it or not too, I mean, I, I'm going to put this on the podcast. Even when you, when we meet you at creative Aftercon, you're still that person 100% where you're welcoming, you're there, you love comics because it wasn't about, again, it's not about the coffee for me. It was the fact that you speak to Johnny C you hear about Johnny C's love for comics. So it's like, okay, so what did this guy create? And I think that's one of the bigger marketing tools that you have there is that you're generally who you are. Well, exactly. I kind of, you know, what you see is what you get and I wear it all on my sleeves. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't have to put on a face or do a thing at a show because I'm just being me. You know what I mean? And like I said before, I'm under the mentality that I wrote these books for myself. So, you know, if I could share them with you and you're into them, that means the world to me. The fact that you guys love the pond and surrounded by death, like means the world to me more so than any financial value. You know what I mean? Like that is what means the most is what people read the work and they love it. So what's next for Johnny C? What are are some future projects and projects you want to get out there? What are you turning into a movie? What are you turning into a show? What are you turning into a video? What are some of the new comics that you want to get thrown out there? Where can we buy the coffee? Where can we? (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't have his priority list right now. He's like, listen, I'm I'm on your website right now looking at your products. So there's a coffee comic bundle pack that's available on my big cartel site. Coffee, um, so. pack. Yo, <laughs> this man is marketing genius right here. Take notes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I see here. The $20, you get the two issues and a bag of coffee. Dude, you can't beat that, man. You get, Yo, you get yeah. only 20 bucks, dude. You get two comics, hey, on, you get two comics and a bag of coffee. Like that's a good bargain, right? You, if you don't have a master class by 2021, I'm going to Boston. We have we having a few big exchanges of words, sir. <laughs> we got a little powwow. I'll take a, I'll well, take we a trip to Boston. You know we, me. We, 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 will have to, we have to talk about some things, sir. Yeah, right on, man. I'm always down. Anything I can do to share the wealth and share the love and share the knowledge, that's what I'm all about. Johnny, I want to thank you for coming on, sharing us some of the stories, the pond, Sartana, Surrounded yes, by Death. Absolutely. Yes. It's been, a, it's been a blast. I Thank you guys so much for having me on. I have had so much fun. This is like one of the funnest things I've ever done of these things. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I love it. We appreciate I it, man. We're gonna have, we're gonna have well, imparted some wisdom too. Yeah, no, no dude. For sure. Masterclass sure. 2021. Yo, dropping the mic heavy today. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure we'll have <laughs> you on to talk about you know stuff and to shoot the shit, dude. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's yeah, coming back. So, uh, we're coming back. Yeah, home. I was just gonna say that I got I got surrounded by death Kickstarter in the works, so that's the next big thing. Yes. Nice. And uh, I'm relaunching my movie preview page, which is a movie fan site on Facebook. So, uh, you know, just movie fandom, stuff like that. Oh, and uh, a film, a horror film I just worked on 
called uh, Vibration. I was assistant director on it. Cool. It's now available Congrats. on Amazon Prime. Ooh. Congrats. Oh, okay, cool. That's fucking <laughs> Okay, so I we love, got, so then we need to so we need to, like, to watch it. it. Like he was like, oh yeah. So we need to watch it for our like, horror movie no, thing. Come on, like that's <laughs> so. I will say it's it's bad enough. It's B enough where you would, <laughs> would qualify very well for the thing. He said it's called vibration. All right, that's called vibration. Yeah, it's on that's Amazon on Prime. List. That is going just came out this year. Nice. I filmed it two three years ago ish. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, is he directed You've been Sean busy, Garrity? Sir? I have been. Is that the one Sean Ga- directed by Sean Garrity? Directed by Sean Garrity. Yep, I'm the uh, assistant director on that. Okay. And I and All I right. co-wrote some some of the stuff. Was it was it fun to get back into the the film world? A little bit, yeah. Dabbling back into that was fun. We got to play with a blood cannon, which was my favorite part of filming. So uh, <laughs> a blood cannon, yeah. So you load up the blood on one end, and you make it look like somebody's getting gutted from the other end. And a spray of blood comes out oh, the other side. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. We'll have all the links to the comments again. Johnny, thank you for coming on, bro. Thank you. Johnny, yeah, clear the schedule. So clear schedule. We're gonna be we're gonna be calling you all month long. <laughs> I'm here. I'm ready for you guys. Just you say, say the word, I'm there. Oh, so this man. has been your boys from the Nerds Around. I'm Sebastian. It's your boy Law. And your boy Tone from across the hall. You can find us on Twitter at the Nerds O T R, on Facebook, and on Instagram at the Nerds of the Round. And you can find us in all of your favorite podcasting needs, whether that's Anchor, Spotify, or iTunes. We also have a YouTube channel, The Nerds of the Round. Check us out there. As we always like to say, we love to hear from our listeners, our viewers. Give a like, a comment, a retweet, a share. Let's connect. Let's chat. Let's get nerdy with it.